welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I want to uh, share something that's close to my heart. And the thought was brought to my attention again because... I, along with many others, went to the recent Influencers Conference, and uh, we hosted the youth part of that conference here, which was good by all accounts. Is that right? Enjoy the youth conference. Fantastic. Well, for us older, more senior, and more mature, wiser people, we went down the road to paradise and uh, got blessed with some incredible ministry. And one of the keynote speakers made a profound statement, which I thought just needed to be unpackaged in our local context. Those of you who are at the conference may remember this uh, quote, um, simply this, the most important thing for the world or unchurched or non-believers to hear is this, you must be born again. And I would agree with that absolutely categorically. You've got to be born again. The sin nature separates you from God. And the only person who can deal with that sin nature in you is Christ Jesus. And when we invite Christ into our life, our life changes forever because our relationship with God has changed through Jesus Christ. If you are not born again, I want to tell you, you must be born again. It'll change not just your life, it'll change your eternity. The most important person, a non-Christian, unchurched person in the world needs to hear is you must be born again. Having said that, that being true, you would think that now all my problems are gone. But that's not the case. That's because the most important message the believer or the Christian needs to hear is this. You must renew, everyone say renew, Renew your mind. In order for us to be saved, we need to surrender to Jesus. In order for us to live victorious Christian lives, we need to renew our mind. I didn't say remove your mind. Some Christians are just plain stupid. I didn't say remove your mind, I said renew. Everyone say renew. We've got to renew our minds. The way you think is the most important influence in your life. It'll set off a chain of events that will change your life forever, for good or for bad. How you think will determine whether you live a good life or a bad life. In other words, you have the life you thought you would have. You know that? Some of you might say, that's not true. I thought I'd be rich by now. No, you didn't. No, you didn't. All of us are living the life we thought we would have right now. I remember my dad telling me a story. And when my dad tells you a story, he tells you the same story thousands of times. And so growing up, I heard this particular story thousands of times, but I love it every time I hear it. As a 17-year-old boy who just started in the gym, he went to a competition and he saw some blokes in their Speedos that were posing and they were aged 40. They were old, really old, but they looked so flippin' good. And he said at 17, I'm going to look like that at 40. 
And he passed 40, looking that good. And then when he got to 40, he said, you know what? I'm going to be fit at 80. And this year he celebrates his 76th birthday, so he's four years off that. And he's well on the track to being exactly what he thought he would be at the age of 80. See, somebody say, oh, but I, I thought I'd be rich by now. But no, inwardly you were thinking that I don't deserve to be rich or I don't this or I don't that. You ultimately get what you think. As a man thinks, so is he. As a church thinks, so is it. As a nation thinks, so is it. As a business thinks, so is it. It's a law. Turn with me, if you would, to Proverbs 23. I want to read from verse 6 and 7. It says this, Do not eat the food of a stingy man. Do not crave his delicacies, for he is the kind of man who is always thinking about the cost. Eat and drink, he says to you, but in his heart, he's not with you. This portion of Scripture highlights a man who is struggling in his thinking. He's saying, I'm generous. Eat. Have what you like. How many of you have ever had friends over and said, what's yours is mine? Or help yourself to the fridge. It sounds generous. But this is saying, but a stingy man, though he may appear generous in his heart, he's saying, you better not touch the fridge. Yeah? Help yourself, but don't you dare really help yourself. Because while he's trying to have an appearance of generosity in his heart of hearts, he's thinking something differently. Is this making sense? You're following me this morning. He says, eat and drink, but the whole time he's thinking, that's cost me a lot of money. And he's doing the figures on his calculator. He's telling you one thing, but he's thinking another. The amplified version of this portion of Scripture simply says this, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he, or so is she. You see, our thinking has major influence on every area of our life. Our thinking influences our hearing. Do you know we don't hear with our ears, we hear with our heart. We hear according to what we are thinking. Many of you would have heard me say this before, that in every church service there are two preachers in the room. There's the man or woman up here who's preaching today, that's me. And then there's the person sitting in your chair and that's you. There is me and there is you. There is me and what I'm saying to you. And then there is you interpreting what I mean by what I say to you. Are you getting this? So there's two preachers in every room. And I want to say this. That by comparison, what I'm saying and what you're thinking about what I'm saying... I don't stand a chance, and nor does God. God doesn't stand a chance with what you think about what He thinks about you. 
That's why we have to renew our mind and bring our thinking into line with what God actually thinks about you and not what you think God thinks about you. That's what's got to change in order for us to live a victorious Christian life. Some of us sit here every week and hear God's thoughts for us, but we don't think that that applies to us. Because I've really messed up. I can see why you think that, Tony, but it's different for me because I've really messed up. Well, we all have. And you've just got to get over yourself. And the way we get over ourselves is by thinking differently than we're presently thinking. Your voice to you is more powerful than God's voice to you. Does that make sense? If you don't say what God says about you, it's not going to happen. The Bible says, as you think, not as your pastor thinks, so are you. I think you're all awesome. I look at people and say, man, you're an incredible person and I believe you're going to have the best year of your life. But it's not what I think about you that really counts. It's what you think about you. If you think, oh, that's not going to happen. Guess what? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And it won't happen for you. And you'll make me out to be a liar when actually I'm not lying. What I said is more truth about you than what you're experiencing because you're thinking wrongly. It's called stinking thinking. The way we think affects the way we hear. We listen with our minds, not our ears, as I've already said. And we need to understand this in order for us to get the most out of the Word of God, out of every church service, out of every sermon. We've got to catch this because it will change your life. Our thinking influences our seeing. It influences our hearing and it influences our seeing. There's a story of the um, Israelites that were about to inherit the promised land and by way of spying out the land, they sent 12 spies out to spy it out first to see what they were up for. And it's amazing, 12 men saw the very same thing. They saw that it was an incredibly great, prosperous land flowing with milk and honey. But they also saw the giants in the land. Two of the spies says, this land is awesome. Let's go pick a fight and take what's rightfully ours. Because that's what they were thinking. That's ours. Ten of the spies who saw the very same thing as the two other spies said, oh, they were massive. We were like grasshoppers in their sight. And those ten men never entered the promises of God. It doesn't mean God's promises about them were wrong. It just means they never inherited them because of the way they were thinking. The way you thinks, uh, think influences the way you see. You can look out and see the sun and see what a beautiful day. I'm going to get myself some bathers and a towel and go to the beach and catch some of the rays and have incredible time with my family. Someone sees the sun and says, oh, 
skin cancer. What? And we miss an incredible moment in the sun. We we miss an incredible moment in God's presence because it distorts the way we see. Our thinking influences the way we see. Our thinking influences the way we hear. Our thinking influences our doing. Everyone say doing. If you think you are poor, then you will act like a poor person. Whatever is on the inside comes out. These projectors up here only project what the computer feeds it. That image up there, which I designed, you like it? That image up there is being projected by a projector that's being fed by a computer. Your life will project what your computer, your mind, will tell it. And so you can have hundreds and thousands and millions and billions of dollars in the bank, but still live like a poor person. Because in your mind, you're thinking, oh, I might lose it all. And I've got to be careful with my money. And there's lots of poor people who die, rich people who live like poor people. Because their thinking was all wrong. How we think determines how we see, it determines how we hear, and it determines what we do. If you think nobody loves you, guess what? You'll never receive the love that people want to give you. Because you're saying, I think nobody loves me. If you think that every time we take up an offering in this church, it's just so the church wants our money because they want, the pastors want to pay rise. If that's what you think, it'll affect your giving. But if you see that you've been blessed financially and you've been blessed for such a time as this to be able to give and make a difference in other people's worlds, it will affect your giving. Your thinking will always affect your doing. Are you following this this morning? When the early settlers from the mother country, England, came to Australia, a land full of space, they built terraced houses. They had all this space, but they built houses on top of each other. Why? Because that's what they'd always done. But in England, it was a much smaller country. And there was a lot of people. And so they had to build terraced homes for a reason. But because that's all they'd seen, they did the exact same thing when they came to Australia. What we think determines how we hear. I can say to someone, I love you. And they say, no, you don't. Because they're thinking wrong. I can say to people that know me well in a bad moment, oh, I hate you. And they say, no, you don't. Because they say, I know you. And they can grab that moment and think about it correctly. They say, no, you're just angry. Because they're thinking right. Someone else, you give and you give and you give and you say, we love you. And then they feel like nobody loves me. Now, can I just tell you about this church? This church is not perfect, absolutely, because you're here. (laughs) And me. Wherever people are, imperfection is. So it's not a perfect church. 
But a friendlier church, I don't think you'll find. And if you do, God bless them. They are a very friendly church. That's my point. But we have and continue to have some people come and say, it's not friendly. And I think that's more of a reflection on the individual than this church. We can't be friendly to someone who refuses to receive friendship. I can't love somebody who refuses my love. And those things are a direct result of how they are thinking. We need to be a people that know how to renew our minds. The most important thing for the non-Christian to hear is you must be born again. The most important thing for a Christian to hear is you must renew your mind. In Romans chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then and only then will you be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing and perfect will. I love that portion of Scripture. It's one of my favourites. It gives me the reason and the result of why I need to renew my mind. The reason is because we love God. The reason is because we are grateful to all that He's done. In view of His mercies, we offer ourselves. In view of His mercies, mercies, we give a tenth of all that we own and earn. In view of His mercies, we attend church regularly. In view of what He's already done for me, that's the reason why I do it, because I'm in a love relationship with Him. In light of the love I have for my wife, I buy her new shoes as often as she wants them. In view of my love that I have for her. I don't do that for every woman. I do it for the woman that I love. So the reason we renew our mind is out of a love relationship. Not, oh, I better do it because Tony will be upset if I don't. That's not the reason. But the result is a transformed life. There's your reason. There's your result. Right there in Romans chapter 12 and verse 1. We need to do it because we love God. Are you grateful to what God has done in your life? Do you love Him? Do you want to see your life transformed? Well, we need to renew our mind. The thing about renewing your mind is it's an everyday event. Here's the thing with most Christians. They're looking for a quick fix. Some of you had a great conference because you got touched and blessed. God bless you. That touching and that blessing won't last. Some of you are disappointed because you didn't get that touch or that blessing or that thing that you were hoping for. But here's the thing. There is no magical wand. There is no magical formula when it comes to Christianity. Christianity is a love relationship with our Creator God. And so we need to renew our minds every day of our lives. When you have a great day, then the next day you get up and do the very same things you did the day before. And then you get up the next day and you do the very same things you did before. I got, you've got to catch this. You know, we do open the front up here and we do pray for people and there's a place for that. But you know, as a young boy growing up in church, I used to get sick and tired of the same old people going down for the same old things and never ever changing. The answer is not found here at the front of the church. The answer is found in a direct relationship with God on a daily basis. Renew your mind. In order to do this, we need to develop healthy thought patterns, not just one-off thoughts. Some of you have had great thoughts, but it's not a pattern in your life. 
And it's when there's a pattern, that's when there's progress. One-off thoughts are not the answer, and it's not what I'm talking about today. See, it's possible to have a generous thought, but not be a generous person. You may be sitting there as we're taking out the offering, and something just sparked in you, and find that actually today you just gave a lot of money. It doesn't make you a generous person. A generous person just is generous all the time. They're always looking for opportunities to give. Having a generous thought doesn't make you a generous person. Having one big thought doesn't make you a big thinker. I don't know what you're laughing at. Was that funny? I'm, even, I'm funny even when I don't know it. <laughs> Having a big thought. Wow! Doesn't make you a big thinker. You know, on, on, the, on the Wednesday, it was pretty warm and I'd had a great day. And we went out with friends for breakfast down Semaphore and then went out with some other friends and played beach cricket all day. And at 3.30, I said, I've got to go because I want to do a workout. And I think kind of like the general consensus of, why would you want to do that? And I'm thinking to myself, yeah, why do I want to do that? I feel stuffed. But then I started to renew my thinking. I thought, you know what? If I didn't do a workout and do something physical, every time there's a public holiday in Australia, you'd never do anything. It's public holidays every other week. Coupled with the fact that I've just been on holiday for a few weeks, coupled with the times that I'm nursing an injury, Couple of the times I don't feel great, pretty soon, after 365 days in a year, you don't do anything. And so I have to say, you know what? I'm going to do a workout. And this, is the, this is the argument I had with myself on the beach. And the people I was with, they were going to go back for swim. And I'm thinking, mm, mm, mm. But I'm thinking, you know what? If I, if, I, if I go into that, it's not wrong, it's not sin. But you know what? Pretty soon that will become a pattern. And pretty soon going to the gym was something I used to do. Praying becomes something I used to do. Going to church becomes something I used to do. And that's what happens with so many people because their thinking is not right. I'm telling you, there's this battle going on in my mind on the beach. I'm playing cricket thinking, oh, I'm having fun. This is great. Do I really want to do a workout? It's going to be hot. I mean, you know, it's hot going to any gym. But when you go to dad's gym in a shed that's 40 degrees, it's like a thousand degrees in there. It's just hot and miserable. But I had this fight and I'm so glad that I won that battle. And they're the battles that my dad would have had to over and over again to be fit at the age of 76. Because that doesn't happen by osmosis. That doesn't happen because he came down the front one day as an unfit man and said, I want to be fit. And God supernaturally transformed him. It doesn't work like that. It's through consistent patterns in your life. You've got to get a hold of your thoughts and say, that's a load of rubbish. I want to tell you, when the chips are down and people are thinking bad things of me, and that happens when you're in leadership, when you stand up here and say some things people don't like, people can think bad things of you. And I want to tell you, sometimes when I start to think like they're thinking about me, I have to stand in front of the mirror and say, you know what? You're a good guy. You're flipping awesome. I don't give a stuff what people say. You're great. You've been created in the image of God. You're the apple of His eye. God doesn't make junk. And you have to grab a hold of those thoughts. If you don't do that, you look in the mirror and say, yeah, they're right. Look at me. I've even got a pimple. I've got a cold sore coming up. Didn't preach well. No one loves me. Everybody hates me. I think I'll eat worms. Where's the battle won? I'll tell you where it's won. In your thinking. You have to renew your mind. I'll pray with anybody, 
But when the prayer is finished, you better do something with that prayer. Otherwise, nothing's going to change in your life. So we've got to develop good thoughts, not just one-off thoughts. And we need to develop healthy thought patterns, and that's a process. Everyone say process. See, the problem is not what we think, it's due to how we think. And we need to deal with how we think, not what we think. We need to ask ourselves, where does our thinking come from? That's where it starts. Instead of just assuming, just going to certain places, you say, why did I think that? If you can ask yourself that question a thousand times this year, you will change your thinking. See, it's not just saying, I'm just born this way. I'm just wired this way. This is my personality. Now, we are hardwired from a very early age to think a certain way. None of us are born with a culture. We are born into a culture. I have drunk tea, hot, warm tea, since the age of about 18 months. Because I came up in an English family. And I want to tell you this, and any English person will know this, it's never too hot for tea. I will have cups of tea throughout today. I might sweat. I might complain about the heat. But when all is said and done, I'll say, let's put the kettle on. Where does that thinking come from? God. I was hardwired to think a certain way from a very young age. Because I was born into a culture. I wasn't born with a culture. I was born into a culture. If I was born into an Indian culture, it would be different. The things I eat and the things I like would be slightly different. You know, we grew up with roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. And we grew up drinking tea. That's what we did. Indian family, you grow up eating and liking different things. Not right, not wrong, just different because of the culture that you grew into. Here's the thing. When you're born again, you are born again into a new culture, a different culture, a different way of thinking. And that's where the battle is. This battle between the old culture and this new culture. That's where the battle is. And then we say, Pastor, can you pray for me? Yes, but the battle is something you've still got to go through yourself. And it's a battle of culture. I know everyone's sleeping around with everyone. I know people don't value marriage these days. But the Bible says, and because the Bible says, I'm going to align my thinking with what the Bible says and not what everyone else is saying. You've got to watch television now. You'll always see homosexuals on television. You'll see girls kissing girls. You'll see a whole heap of things. You'll see people just shacking up and sleeping around. That's normal. I'm not that old, but 20 years ago, it wasn't so prevalent on television as it is now. And so young people and those who watch a lot of television, you've got to renew your mind because that's not normal. I know it's normal according to this culture, but it ain't normal according to God's culture. That's where the battle is. The battle is for culture. Whose culture are you going to have in your world? And what is culture? Culture is simply this. We don't do that here. That's culture. We don't do that. We can love people that do things differently, but we don't do that here. We don't do that because it doesn't line up with the Word of God. We must deal with our past before we can embrace our future. 
I'm going to ask you something right now. The next time you freeze up when you hear something you don't like, I want you to ask yourself this. This could be homework for the rest of your life. Ask yourself this. Why did I do that? I never forget, I was with Tom Tapping, who's been to this church many times. He ordained the last three elders that we brought on, and, and he's a great father in the faith. And, and probably about 10, 12 years ago, I was telling him my story. When I met Kath, we met as very young people. We dated for eight years. Then we got married, blah, 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 blah. And he says, eight years? Why did it take eight years to get married? And I said to him, I don't know. I actually didn't have an answer for him. I just thought, this would take eight years. And I'll never forget, that plagued me, that question, because I couldn't answer it. And so I went to God and said, Lord, why, oh why, did it take me eight years to get married? Because as I started to think about it, I was in love with this girl from a very young age. And with hindsight, I probably should have got married as soon as I could, 16, because I just, I, I just knew she was the one. And Honestly, And I just felt God say to me this, because you were scared. Because I'd grown up in a context where marriage wasn't uh, conventional and, and I realized it was a subliminal, subtle thing. But it affected my thinking. And as a young man growing up, this is the thought I had. I don't want to marry the wrong person. God forbid I marry the wrong person. I don't want to marry the wrong person. I meet the right person, but I don't know if she's the right person because I'm not thinking right. All I'm thinking is, I don't want to marry the wrong person. I've got the right person, but oh, I don't want to marry the wrong person. And everyone's saying, man, I want to get married. Kathy's beautiful. She's awesome. Dude, you are marrying up if you marry her. Marry her. She's awesome. And I responded by this. Oh, I don't know. Yeah, I hear, I hear you, but I don't know if I want to marry the wrong person. And another year goes by. Then we've been dating for four years now. And then five years. And then, oh, I don't know if I want to marry the wrong person. What are, you, are you ever going to get married? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to get married, but I just don't want to marry the wrong person. How many know what I'm on about? And God set me free just because I dared to ask a simple little question. Why? Why? And you can save yourself a lot of pain, a lot of hurt, if you just ask the why question more. Why did I feel like that? Why is it when I talk about money, some people freak out, why do you do that? Why? Why is it that you'll give money to someone who knocks on your door you don't even know, and yet someone who has loved you, prayed for you, cared for you, knows you, nurtures you, you say, oh, he's only after your money. You treat me with suspicion. Why do you do that? That's, not, that's weird. That's not normal, that you would extend more generosity to some freak who knocks on your front door <laughs> than this freak up here. That's weird. I clap, it's good. I'm going to preach in shorts more often. I feel the anointing. I've got shorts, t-shirt, fans, air conditioning, and I'm still sweating. What's that about? Why do I do that, Lord? People who have all sorts of issues with church, they back off. And they come up with some reasons as to why they back off. But really, you know what? At the end of the day, they're hurt. You know, we need more connect group leaders. We need more people to put their hand up and say, I'm going to serve in this house. We need more of those. 
But I want to promise you this, pain, betrayal, hurt, people thinking less of you, being disappointed, that's your future if you say yes. And that's why many people don't, because they don't want to be hurt. Come on, join us. Join with me, Paul says. Join with me. Join with me in the pain, because it's worth it. Don't give up. Let me ask yourself this question, just to get your thinking right. Do you love this church? Would you be disappointed if I just gave up and just left? Would you be disappointed? Well, why should I be less disappointed when you just give up? This church didn't happen just because people gave up. There are some Sundays where nobody showed up. I'm like, my goodness, we don't they know I've been preparing for hours. Get a bit of sun, they go to the beach. What's the point, God? And God says, because I'm doing something in you. And at that moment, God's saying, are you doing it for them? Are you doing that for accolade? Are you doing that for prestige? Or are you doing that because of me? Because when you started this thing called ministry, you said you just do it because you love me. And then he puts us through little things called a test. And then I die daily and I said, okay, Lord, I'm just going to do it anyway. Stuff it. Me and Kath are going to have a great day in church today. That's, some of the, that's, that's the thinking I had to come to. I'm going to preach to my wife. And I think Pete will be there. Pete was pretty reliable. <laughs> I'm going to preach to Kath and Pete. And Sally was always going to be there because she just had to. I don't think she wanted to, but she had to because she was married. <laughs> and it's that, it's that right thinking that gets you through those dark moments. Everyone who gives up, I want, I want you to know this, every person has got a reason to give up. Every person. Some just choose that way out and others don't. And the ones that don't, don't because they're thinking right. The ones that do, do because they're thinking wrong. They start thinking, well, what's the point, Lord? And then we start spiritualizing it. Oh, I could use my time better, Lord. Doing other things, Lord. And God, and God says, who, who do you think I am? I'm God. I get it. You're hiding things. Is this helpful this morning? So we need to take captive every thought. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. Negative, small, wrong thoughts are our responsibility. And it's our job to take those thoughts and to bring them into line with what God says. It is something that we have to do. It's called DIY Christianity. Do it yourself. You want a helping hand? The best helping hand you'll ever find is the end of your own wrist. That was a joke. You've got to do it yourself. The Bible says, arm yourself, cleanse yourself, speak to yourself. We've got to stop blaming the devil. Here a devil, there a devil, everywhere a devil, devil. You know, I think we've got to speak to some Christians and say, Christian, come out of that devil and leave him alone. Just looking for excuses all the time. You've got to do it yourself. You don't feel like getting out of bed and going to church? Here's what you do. You get out of bed and you go to flipping church. That's what you do. Whether you feel like it or not, you just do it. That's what you do. And then on the way to church, you adjust your attitude. And you start having this argument with yourself. Well, if I'm going to go, I might as well go with a good attitude. You start working on your attitude. And so here is six things very quickly to help you. I knew I'd just be able to rush through them. 
and we might elaborate them or whatever. What can you do? Some of them are so obvious, that's why I just want to rush through them. And ask yourself, am I doing these things? Here's some things that will help you renew your mind. Hopefully you've understood the importance of renewing your mind. Well, here's some things we can do. It's nothing new. There is nothing new. Real simple. Number one, read your Bible. Regularly, every day. Sorry. I don't understand it. Get a translation. Get rid of the King James. Get, get a translation you understand. And whatever you don't understand, write questions out. I don't understand that. I don't understand that. Then ask somebody. What does that mean? What does that mean? Don't use I don't understand it as an excuse not to read it. Read your Bible daily. Persist in prayer. You know the story of the persistent widow? And we say, yeah, you've got to persist in prayer. The context of that story is found in the question, will the Son of Man find earth when he, uh, faith in the earth when he returns? And then he tells this story about a persistent widow. She was persistent in her faith, and it's her faith that got her to the end. It wasn't a prayer about healing. It wasn't a prayer about anything. It's a prayer that gets you to the end. Prayer is the means and the measure of your faith. In other words, I can see whether you're walking in faith by whether or not you're praying. But you'll grow in faith through praying. So if you need prayer, if you need faith, pray. What's the evidence of faith? You're praying. It's both and. And that's what gets us to the end. So we keep praying because prayer highlights the fact that we are trusting God and that we are renewing our mind through asking God. So most of you say, well, I pray every day. I'll tell you what what I mean. Most of you say you're praying every day and it comes like this, oh, Father, give me this, I need this, I need that. That's not the type of prayer. The Bible says there's many kinds of prayer. That's one of them. But if that's all you've got, you know, it's not going to get you through. Because what if God says no and you keep asking? All you're going to do is set yourself up for more and more no's. How about, Father, I don't know what's going on, but I know this. And start declaring and start telling God what you know about Him. And I know that you'll never leave me. I know that you'll never forsake me. I know that you love me. I know that you've called me. I know that you've cleansed me. I know that you are on my side. I know that all things are working together for good. And even if I don't get a yes to this, I will win. I will come out bigger. I will come out better. I will come out stronger. That kind of praying gets you through. No one turned up at my connect group. No one turned up at my music group. No one turned up at this. No one turned up that after all the effort I put in. You know what, Lord? I didn't do this for them anyway. I'm doing it for you. And I'm going to have the best Bible study ever. And actual fact, it's going to be the best connect group I've ever had because I won't be interrupted by all those people. This is going to be great. But one thing I'm not going to do, I am not going to give up. That's what you do. It's what you do. It's what you have to do. And I hope I can motivate you to do what you have to do. I can't do it for you. I can't lift weights for you. I can't eat the right food for you. There's some things you've got to do for yourself. Reading your Bible is one of them. Praying is another. Attend church regularly. Just just write off Sunday and say, this is where I'm going to be. We're going to be Sunday. Church. 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 Oh, but Tony, you repeat yourself. I've been in church five years, you should repeat the same stories. Yeah, I do. I do. I do. But let me put this in your thinking. How many of you would be a little bit sad 
If my dad just fell off the face of the earth and never turned church and got bitter and sour, how many would, how many would that affect? Oh, really? Keith Rainbow? Really? Well, let me tell you, there's not one thing I've ever said that he hasn't heard a thousand times. Most of what I share, he gave me. He must sit there and think, I told him that. I told him that. I told him that. I told him that. That's my story, different name. I told him that. You know what? If there's one man who actually probably doesn't need to be here this morning, it's probably him. But he thinks differently than most. He thinks that church isn't just for him. This is his opportunity to shine. This is opportunity to be an example. This is opportunity to give. This is opportunity to help. This is opportunity to serve. This is opportunity to be fed. This is his opportunity. It's not just about him. That's why he keeps coming. So don't tell me that you know more than him about me and what I'm going to say. You've got to think differently. You can be right but wrong all the time. You can be thinking, well, Tony's just going to say this, and I've heard that before. You can be right but wrong. Because church is more than just sitting there and getting something for yourself. On top of which, you may have heard something before, but here's the thing, are you doing it? How many of you have said, who have ever heard a message on this subject, say, I'm I'm doing all of that? How many can I say, I never need to be reminded that again? Really? None of us. We all need to. Last three, quickly, as the musicians come, get involved. Don't just attend church, get involved. Got Vision Sunday next week, going to talk about some great things. But some of those great things are going to be dependent on our great response. We need people opening up their homes, having a small group come around every week. We need, we, we need so many more connect groups than we've presently got. And we need you to think differently to open up your home. We need to think differently to start leading and caring for a small group of people. Because we want to be big enough to make a difference. We want to be big enough to have an influence. We want to have, be big enough to make an impact. But we want to be small enough to care. The caring comes in the smaller groups. And even on any given connect group night, you may not get what you felt you needed, but you're developing relationships to be able to go to certain people one-on-one and say, hey, look, can you just pray for me in this? Can you help me with that? So get involved. Don't just take. Invest your time, your talents, and your treasures. Surround yourself with the right people. That's where it starts. Do you know I've never made one major decision in my life without some person of influence and wisdom speaking into it. I've never bought a home, a car. I've never made one major decision in my life. Some people just say, oh, I'm off. We've had people in church and they say, oh, I'm leaving. They're going to some other part. Haven't run it by anyone other than their silly mate. Like running it by your stupid mate isn't going to help you. You might like him. You might think he's got your best at heart. But I'm talking about finding people who who are going to give you the truth. I've always looked for people who are going to give me the truth. One of the highlights for me last year was meeting this guy on the second row, Matt Knowles. He has some similar interests and one of those is lifting weights. And What I like about Matt is he's bigger and stronger than me. That's what I want in my life. I want people who are bigger than me. I want people who are stronger than me. I want people who are wiser than me. I want people who are more experienced than me. I want people who are more learned than me. I don't just want to be having relationships where I'm giving out all the time. I want to be able to receive. And you need to find bigger and stronger men and women in your life. Thank God for stupid mates, but stupid mates will just keep you stupid. 
I got some stupid mates. <laughs> Love them. And we just act stupid. It's cool. It's fun. And I can get some perspective off them. But the real tough questions, the real tough questions. Do I need to hand over my church? I'm not just going to ask anybody that. How do you think I'm tracking with my marriage? I'm going to ask anybody that. I'm going to ask a small select group of people that love me dearly. That will give me the truth no matter how much it hurts. Have you got someone like that in your life, really? And again, I'm all for stupid mates. You need, you need some mates to just mess around with. Just jump off jetties. You need, you need that. You need that. You need that someone who says, you know, kids, don't jump off the house, roof of the house. And you look at your mate, who's just as stupid as you are, and you look at each other, and what a great idea. <laughs> you need that. But when it comes to who should I marry, you don't ask that guy that question. You just jump off a roof with that guy. Does that make sense? You got it? So as I ran and by somebody, what, the guy you jumped off a roof with when you were told not to, that guy? Not going to help. And then lastly, just keep it real. You know, the best thing you can do is just say, yeah, I haven't been doing those things. It's probably why my life's like it is. That's so freeing. I found the most freeing thing is I stuffed up. That is so freeing. Ah, messed up. Made a wrong choice. Shouldn't have, uh, shouldn't have done that. Here's the thing. If you don't get real, you make a tough situation impossible. Example, somebody wants to lose weight. Here's the truth. Exercise and watch what you eat. Oh, but I'm doing all that. Really? And nothing's changing. That must be miserable to be doing all that and nothing's changed. Yes. So you're watching what you eat. Yes. All of it. <laughs> watching every mouthful. Can you imagine, it's tough enough not losing weight, but to think that you've put into practice what you know you have to and you're still not losing weight, that must, that's miserable. It's much more freeing to say, actually, let me just think about it. Have I really been eating the right food? Let's take an inventory. Well, last night I had this, this, this. Wow. Wow. I'm probably still not eating as much junk as I ever have. That's more freeing than kidding yourself that you're eating what... So yeah, but I go to the gym all the time now. Really? How often is all the time? That public holiday. What did you do on that public holiday? Oh, I didn't go then. It's public holiday. Okay, cool. Well, you just had three weeks holiday. Oh, I didn't go then because it's holiday. Cool. What about when you had that injury? Oh, yeah, but you got an injury. You got to rest. The mind's so clever. It comes up with great... You're smarter than you think you are because you've got, you've got a reason not to do something real good. So it proves to me you can actually come up with some good ideas. It's much better to say, you know what? You're right. I haven't really been training much, have I? Or let's say you have been training, getting regularly. What's the intensity like? You know, if you're on a treadmill and you can read, you ain't on a treadmill. If you can read a book while you're on a bike, you ain't riding a bike. Arnold said of bodybuilding, he said, bodybuilding is as much mental as anything. You've got to think about it. You've got to visualize your arms as big as mountain peaks. Start visualizing, Josh. 
Have I made any sense today? Oh, I wish, I wish, I wish, I wish. I could just pray for you and that's it. I would look like a flipping awesome pastor. What's your secret? I was praying for them. She says, oh. I'm good. I'm just not that good. You know, oh, Donna, perfect. Oh. So, it's like marriage, like any relationship. If you feed it, if you nurture it, if you water it, it'll grow. The grass is not greener on the other side of the fence. The grass is greener where you water it most. Your relationships will be healthiest in the ones you invest in the most. Some of you just need to stop hanging around the wrong people. Some of you just need to attend church more regularly than you do. Others need to get involved. Some of you might need to do all all of them. I don't know. But don't just react. And if you do find yourself reacting, ask yourself, why am I reacting? Because he was really gracious today. He stood there in his shorts and all. So here, I, I know he actually loves me. When I was told off by people like my dad and people like Pete and others, I have to come to this conclusion. I might not like, but I know they love me. So why would they say that? Then I'd say, hang on, is it true that I don't have the full gamut of truth? I don't have the monopoly of truth. That's right. Do I have blind spots? Yes. Is it possible that maybe Pete or others are just highlighting something I can't see? Yes. So there could be some truth in it? Yes. So Lord, speak to me. That's right thinking. That's what you've got to do. If you don't think right, you'll just react. Can I ask you to stand? And as we stand, I just want to ask that the communion cups be given out. Communion is something we do in remembrance of what Jesus Christ did for us. And the Bible says if you're a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what church you go to, eat and drink. But please just, just grab a cup. If you're not a believer in this place, it's not going to mean much to you, but you can use this moment just to think about what's been shared. Because I'd love to pray for you in a moment and give you an opportunity to respond to the goodness of God. Some of you have heard this story, but let me just share it one more time. When my wife was pregnant with our middle child, Mitchell, we were aware at the 18-week mark that there were some complications. It's every mother and father's nightmare. The umbilical cord only had two strands in it instead of three. A normal umbilical cord is like an electrical cable. It has three cords in it. Earth, brown, yellow, red, whatever. Those three like that. I don't know what colour the ones in the umbilical, I don't know, probably all red, blood, I don't know, whatever. But instead of having the normal three, this cord only had two. And a discrepancy in the ultrasound showed up. One hand wasn't bigger, or as big as the other. And they encouraged us to have a big needle put in my wife's stomach to find out how bad the situation was. And I remember going to God. Because it's not news you want. We have not got this church to where it is by getting news we wanted all the time. It's amazing people saying, oh, everything's all right for you. Well, it's true because we choose to make every situation all right for us. So how do we make this situation all right for us? As we take this negative report, this bad report, this, my goodness. And they encouraged us to have an amnio because they were concerned that more than likely this child would have this, this or this. 
and you have to deal with this, this, and this. And I remember getting together with Kath, and she's such a gracious woman. And we just went to God and said, we either trust God or we don't. God's either in control or He's not. And we found a real peace. So much so that we said, we'll take what we get. And even started thinking, you know what, if this kid's in a wheelchair, or if this kid has to have special schooling or special this or special that, that'll open up doors I probably never would have done normally. So God, you know better than me. And if you open my world up to a whole new group of people that I may not normally come in contact with, so be it. I believe you can heal. I believe you can change. And so we prayed into the situation. I told three people about it, only three. Three people who could keep me accountable. I told Pete, I told my dad, I told Rob Rufus, who was a pastor in the city at the time. Three people, that's all they needed to know. And I said, this is how I feel about it. And if my attitude changes, kick me up the backside because I want to stay in faith for this. We said, uh, no, we're not going to have the amnio and we're certainly not going to terminate like you've suggested. Because that's what they said, terminate. They got angry with us. The hospital got angry with us because they thought we were being irresponsible, bringing a child like that into this world. I'm telling you, it took all the grace in me not to punch on. I don't know if you would have thought more of me or less of me as a pastor, but I felt like punching the guy in the face. And then getting his stethoscope and putting it down his back side, uh, throat, taking out his backside. And I had that thought, I had that mental image. Then I had to renew my mind. Just, I, thought that, I thought of 10 things I could do with that stethoscope. It's amazing how deceitful the heart is. And I just thought, I could do this, I could do this. And I can't do that. So I said, look, whatever. But this is the thought I had that that became so clear to me. And I I don't want to overstate this. I don't know if I said it to the doctor, but I certainly said it out loud to Kath. I said, if this son is born, or any child is born, inverted commas, normal, and has a horrific accident at the age four, five, ten, or whatever, do I have the right to terminate then? I said, so why do I have a right to terminate now? Where did that thinking come from? Just renewing my mind. With what? The doctor's words? Not at all. And God bless every doctor that's doing their best. But I have a word of God that does not change. And if you love Jesus, and you agree with what I've shared today, and you want help in that area, let's just eat and drink and keep the focus on this incredible God, this incredible King. Let's do that right now in our own time. Let's eat and drink in remembrance of the one who saved us. But not only saved us, has empowered us for victorious living. Jesus, we are totally indebted to you. Words are beyond us at this moment in time because you're so good. And I pray that you take my words today, which ultimately are your words, and that you'd use them to so graciously massage the truth into our life today, tonight, tomorrow. May this message be a life-changing message. May this message be a message that we can take home and apply for the rest of our lives. With your help, 
with your guidance, with your leading, and us doing our part, I speak over every one of us that this will be the greatest, most blessed, awesome year that any of us have ever, ever experienced. Not because of our goodness, but because of your goodness. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.